These plane crash survivors were forced to consume their friends to survive. On October 13, 1972, a tragic event unfolded when Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 tragically crashed into the unforgiving Andes Mountains, resulting in devastating injuries and loss of life among those on board. This fateful incident, along with the incredible story of survival that ensued, has become widely recognized as the Andes flight disaster and the miracle of the Andes. The Andes Mountains, the world's longest mountain range, stretch along the western edge of South America, creating a mesmerizing yet ruthless landscape. This formidable range is characterized by its breathtaking beauty and inhospitable nature. Towering snow-capped peaks and deep valleys dominate the scenery, presenting a rugged and awe-inspiring panorama. The climate in the Andes is marked by its unpredictability with tranquil moments giving way to violent weather shifts. Temperature extremes in the Andes can plummet to bone-chilling lows of negative 30 degrees Celsius. Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 departed from Montevideo, Uruguay on October 13, 1972, with its destination planned to be Santiago, Chile. On board were 45 passengers, consisting of members of the Old Christians Club Rugby Union team and crew members. The flight began like any other routine journey, with the passengers unaware of the challenges that awaited them. As the aircraft made its way across the Andes Mountains, an unexpected turn of events would soon test the endurance and will to survive of those on board. The plane encountered severe weather conditions forcing the pilot to make a fateful decision. With low visibility and the risk of running out of fuel, the pilot made the difficult decision to divert to an alternative airport in Mendoza, Argentina. However, fate had a different plan in store for the passengers of Flight 571. As the plane diverted to its new destination, the pilot tried to climb an altitude up and over the giant peaks. Passengers stared out the window in confusion one passenger saying, aren't we flying a little close to the mountains? Just then, the aircraft's low altitude and stall alarm sounded, and the plane listed sharply toward the snow-capped peaks. The cabin erupted in chaos with luggage and pieces of interior breaking loose. The passenger screamed in terror as it finally crashed into the side of a peak called Cerro Soler. Tragically, the crash claimed the lives of several passengers as the plane shattered into pieces on the peak. The survivors, though fortunate to have escaped with their lives, were now faced with a grim reality. Stranded in a desolate and unforgiving landscape, they found themselves at the mercy of the wilderness's harsh elements and the vastness of the Andes Mountains. Medical student Roberto Canessa who was also on board the tragic flight that day, would go on to later write a book describing their harrowing ordeal. He described being thrown forward upon impact and hearing other passengers screaming for help. He recalled one passenger screaming for help because he was blind and couldn't see anything. 
When Canessa looked over, he watched in horror as the brains of the passengers spilled out of the man's injured head. Upon landing, the plane's fuselage broke apart into separate pieces, with debris and supplies being thrown everywhere. The survivors were completely isolated from civilization and in the middle of a raging blizzard. The chances of survival seemed bleak with limited resources and a hostile environment, and so they quickly began collecting any food or supplies that could be used for survival. They made makeshift shelters out of pieces of the plane and tried to fashion help signals that could be seen from the air in hopes that the rescue mission would see them. They created a giant SOS message in the snow and used suitcases and debris to make a giant cross. And even though the planes and jets were flying over in the coming days, none saw the messages nor the survivors among the vast mountain peaks. The Andes, known for their majestic beauty, now posed a formidable obstacle as the survivors struggled to comprehend the mercilessness of the mountain range that now surrounded them. They were now stuck at 11,800 feet in elevation in freezing temperatures with little hope for rescue. With minimal supplies, they were forced to rely on their resourcefulness and determination to stay alive. The survivors melted snow for water and constructed makeshift shelters to protect themselves from the harsh conditions and stripped all the materials from the plane seats to stay warm. On top of the harsh conditions and barren landscape, they faced another problem, dwindling food supply. Although the flight originally left with 45 passengers, only 28 survived the initial crash. With only a limited amount to sustain them, they had to devise a plan to make their meager supply last as long as possible. The meager rations consisted of eight precious chocolate bars, a tin of mussels, three small jars of jam, can of almonds, a handful of dates, candies, dried plums, and several bottles of wine. Understanding the gravity of their situation, the survivors decided to divide their scarce resources into small portions, carefully rationing each item to ensure their survival. This meticulous approach allowed them to make the most of what they had, and in an act of extraordinary self-restraint, one man chose to stretch his meager sustenance even further by consuming a single chocolate-covered peanut over three days. Even with their ingenuity and rationing, they faced the inevitable. By day nine, their food supply had run out. In the next few days, the survivors were faced with the harsh reality of starvation and death, and a difficult decision was made. Those still alive reached a unanimous agreement should they pass away, the others would consume their bodies to sustain their own lives. With no other choice, the survivors were left with the haunting task of eating the remains of their deceased friends. The icy weather and snow had preserved the bodies of those who had already perished, and so, reluctantly, they began consuming their fellow teammates to survive. Roberto Canessa knew that this was their only option, and that the human meat contained the various nutrients they would need to survive. With the rest of the survivors reluctant and horrified by the idea, he decided to act first and consume a part of his friend. In his book, 
he would detail the unimaginable decision, and even though his body needed it, his mind almost wouldn't allow him to do it. Though he knew that it had to be done, he cut into one of the corpses with a piece of glass and began eating. He also cut pieces for the rest of the survivors so that they could all eat together. They unanimously decided that three of the corpses were to remain off limits for consumption. These three people were the mother and sister of one of the passengers, as well as the young nephew of another. Seventeen days after the crash, near midnight on October 29th, another unexpected and tragic event unfolded. With enormous force, an avalanche struck the aircraft where the survivors had sought refuge. As the survivors slept, unaware of the impending danger, the avalanche completely engulfed the fuselage. The force of the avalanche also washed away the frozen bodies that the survivors had been using for food. And if that wasn't enough, in a devastating turn of events, eight lives were also tragically taken, leaving those who had managed to survive the initial crash in a state of shock and despair once again. They now had to make another decision. Would they eat their newly deceased friends who had just been with them hours earlier? With no other option for survival, they agreed that they must do what was needed to stay alive and began consuming their friends. Their situation was becoming dire, and although they were stranded, they did manage to salvage the plane's transistor radio and had been monitoring the search and rescue efforts. Up until now, they had hoped that they would hear of new search efforts and planes that were flying in their area. Yet finally, the radio brought news that they dreaded most. The search efforts had officially been called off after trying over 100 times to locate the missing plane and survivors. The survivors soon realized their only chance of rescue lay in their own hands. A small group composed of three men, Roberto Canessa, Nando Parado, and Antonio Vizentin, decided to embark on an unimaginable journey to trek across the mountains in search for help. They knew this was likely to be a suicide mission, but they had run out of options. Braving treacherous terrain and extreme conditions, the group pushed forward, relying on sheer determination and the unwavering support of their fellow survivors. They managed to hike to the top of a 15,000-foot peak that they thought would give them visibility to the valley below. But as they summited, their hopes sank as they stared across an ocean of more snow-covered peaks as far as the eye could see. Knowing that they didn't have enough rations for all three of them to survive much longer, Zintin decided to turn around and head back to camp, leaving the other two with more supplies and a chance of survival. Parado and Canessa pressed on and decided with each other that they would much rather hike to their deaths than let death come to them. In the far distance, they could see a few peaks that were not snow-capped and decided to head in that direction. They hiked for several more grueling days in the freezing weather until they finally reached a river and the snow line. Although they were completely exhausted and on the brink of death, they pushed onward and began to see signs of civilization such as garbage and cows. Finally, they couldn't move any further. Their bodies had given up and so they decided to build a fire near the river and wait for death.
as they gathered wood and tried to start a fire, to their astonishment, they saw three men on horseback across the river. Parado and Canessa began screaming and waving their hands until finally one of the men spotted them, Sergio Catalan. But the noise of the rushing river made it impossible to hear anything. The man on horseback scribbled a note and attached it to a large rock with a string and then threw it across the river. Parado replied with his own note reading, I come from a plain that fell in the mountains. I'm Uruguayan. We have been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up there. In the plain, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get out from here quickly and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to come fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? Sergio Catalan gave them a sign that he understood, threw them bread, and proceeded to ride off and alert authorities. Parado and Canessa would be rescued shortly after and brought to a small village to eat and rest. Over the course of 10 days, the men had hiked an astonishing 38 miles and had lost half of their body weight. The Chilean Air Force would launch a rescue for the remaining survivors using helicopters. They were treated for a variety of conditions, including altitude sickness, dehydration, frostbite, broken bones, scurvy, and malnutrition. Finally, the last remaining survivors were rescued on December 23, 1972, more than two months after the crash. A mere 16 people survived out of the original 45 that were on the flight, and the news went worldwide. The survivors of the Andes plane crash in 1972 demonstrated remarkable courage in dire circumstances, a testament to the will of the human mind. Thank you for watching today. If you like this content, feel free to like and subscribe to our channel for more like it. This is Josh, and thank you for watching Bizarre Legends.